0: Title of our of our summer series is going to be we're going to call it the summer of soul. It's the summer of soul, and so we're going to look at what the Bible says about our souls. And it's one of those words that either you have a you know really no inclination about, you don't hear it talked about much at all, or maybe you have some um, you have some you know previous history with the word soul. Uh, but I think we live in a, a, a generation that has largely been desold. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of stuff is going to right, machines and AI and robots, and, and and but not only that, I think you know after the after the Enlightenment, the word soul itself really didn't have a home anywhere, you know so you know, there, there's large you know in the in the medical world it's kind of theory, and then in the psychology world it's kind of theory. And so I really want to look at what does the Bible say about our souls? What does it mean? And then not only that, but if we have a soul, how do we see our, our souls restored? How do we see our souls healthy? How, how do we bring life to our souls? And so the soul is, is like, it's a really complicated subject. It's hard to define it. Um, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things in our life that it's invisible. Right? I can define your body. I can even define your personality and your character because it's something I can see and experience. But, but the soul is hard to define. The soul is this invisible part of every human being that, that really, I think, is at the heart of who we are. It's our, it's our core. And what I love about the Bible is it talks a lot about the soul. So, But maybe you've never put a, a definition to, to your soul or maybe you can't define it. But you've said something like this, this job is, is sucking the life out of my soul. Anybody, right? Have you said that before? Uh, have you felt it before? Or, or, or I call it a releach, a relationship. Have you been in a, a relationship where that person and you just get around them and they just suck the life out of you? And if they're with you, don't look over and you can't explain it. You just know when you're around that person, something leaves you. You, you're depleted. And then the opposite is true. There's people in your life that, that you, you, when you're around them, you feel energized. You feel encouraged. It, it lifts up your soul. Or, or places, maybe you're here on vacation because you came here 25 years ago, and your soul said, you need to come back to this place every year. It did something for you, right? It, 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 it strengthened you. It was more than just a vacation. It was more than just time away but something happened inside of your soul. Places, I think, are extremely important to our soul. David, and we're going to spend a week just on that, but I think places have more to do with restoring our soul than people. Psalm 23, incredibly famous verse. How did he restore his soul? He leaves me beside still waters and green pastures. And so places are critical. And I think our soul, a lot of times, will go back to the places where we found refreshing and we found encouragement it's it's something that it's this invisible part of us that we all have but it's hard to tap into it's hard to define and so my prayer for our church and for me during this series is is that we would live from the inside out that we would live from our soul level, that we would live from our core identity, that we would live from our heart and soul, not our ego, that we would live from empathy and not judgment. I think all of those things are are connected to our soul. And and, and so I wanna give this to you just kind of to to define my goal this morning is is what is the soul? What is it? And so the, the Bible talks a lot about the soul. It's like from cover to cover, it's incredible. And unfortunately, a lot of the new translations from the original um, you know, Greek and Hebrew and Latin, they leave the word out. So I want to give it to you just the way that it was written. So in the Old Testament, the word for soul is nephesh. N-E-P-H-E-S-H, if you're taking notes, nephesh. This is, this, is, this is used over and over and over in the Old Testament, like, like 750 times that word is used. So depending on the translation you're using, it might be translated as self, or life, or creature, or person. But the word at the very core is nefesh. It means soul. It's the breathing substance of your being. It's your inner person. It's your, your, your soul. It's, it's who you really are. And the first time we see the word used is in Genesis 2. So after God created the heavens and the earth, and then he creates man, and I want to read it to you, it says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust, Genesis 2, verse 7, this is in your notes, but I want you to notice something. He formed man first, but he wasn't alive yet. He says he took parts from the earth, dust, who knows how that went down, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that moment, right? And so he forms this man, but it was not alive, he was not alive. It says this happened, that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then man became a living soul. Now this is what separates us from every other created being on the planet. That your soul is God-breathed. That every human being that makes their way into this life and inside of the womb is a God-breathed creation. That's not said about anything else that has ever been created. That's not said about the animals. That's not said about any other forms of life, but you are God breathed. That that God breathed into you and that's what brought you into existence. And and so just like our bodies need what it came from to survive. So our bodies were made from the earth and the dust. And so if you don't drink water and eat food, guess what? you don't, you cease to exist, right? I mean, you can go, uh, you can go weeks without food, but a few days without water. Like, you got to have it. And so you're, the way that God created our bodies is it needs what it was created from to survive. Now, if your soul is God-breathed, so if your body needs water and your body needs food in order to operate and function the way that God designed it, what about your soul? If it came from heaven, And as God breathed, then it would make sense that what it needs to to not only survive but to thrive is going to come from him. And so this word, that was the first time that word is used, but it's used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And I love the way that Matthew Henry describes that moment. He's He's a 16th century pastor and he wrote this about when God created man and created his soul. He said, a more particular account of the creation of man is that man is a little world. You are a little world consisting of heaven and earth, soul and body. Now here we have an account of the origin, oh, the origin of both and the putting of both together. It's amazing to me that, that, that in, you know, in the 16th century, they, their main primary goal in pastoring was to shepherd people's souls. It wasn't your best life now. It wasn't 10 ways to get rich, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like, and I'm not opposed to all that stuff that just focuses on the physical world. But in that time and era, they weren't really concerned about outside things. They were concerned about the inner world, the inner world. And so let's jump to, to the New Testament. In the New Testament, the, the word for soul is, is psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E. It's where we get the English word Psychology. And this word's used over a hundred times in the New Testament. It's defined like this. It's your seat of consciousness. It's your essence, your core identity. It's the face that you had before you were born. And Jesus talked about the soul a lot. And not only did he talk about the soul a lot, he he, he, he separated it from the mind and he separated it from the body. Here's just one verse where that happens, Matthew 10, verse 28, he's speaking to a, a, a crowd of people, and he says, don't fear man that can, that can kill your body, but they're not able to f- touch your soul. He said, but rather, fear him that's able to destroy both the soul and the body. And so he separates it. Another really popular verse, kind of the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God, right? The law of love with all your heart, soul mind and strength so we see it separated out again that your, your your soul is a a vital part of who you are as a human being and so as we jump into this one of the, the first things I really want us to see is that our soul came from God in our bodies right our bodies were, were a lot of what we've experienced in our physical body came from our our parents so, so your parents conceived your body. God conceived your soul. And if you've ever raised a child, you, you, you've probably said this before. I, I say it, I feel like, every other day right now. Uh, we have a six-year-old. Is he will say something or her, he will do something, and I'll just look at my wife and say, where did that come from? Anybody? Like 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 all the time, you know what I mean? Like I mean, I, I know where some things come from. Like he ran up to me and said, "Hey, Dad, look, I can burp and fart at the same time." I was like, "I gave him that," you know what I'm saying? But but it's like the, there's just things that he can do that are just encoded. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just being real with you. And, and the good stuff I know he got from his from my wife, but um, his mom. But but there's there's things beyond that that he just that he just knew. That was a poor illustration, I think there, but. Um, <laughs> anyways it, it, i think we we know this about children that they're they're they have like divinity encoded in their dna they're created in the image of god no matter how good of a father or mother we are there are things in our in our children that god put there last week after after our father's day service i was talking to a a man that I really respect that's got some incredible children that he's raised. And he, he was talking with me and he said, I tell folks when they ask me, how did you raise your kids to, to grow up in, you know, like they're, you know, they're not in jail, which is good. And, you know, no, no, but, but they're, they're great. They're great. They're, they're great adults. Right And he says, I tell people I didn't raise my kids. God raised my kids. I just kept them like as safe as I could. You know what I mean? I just tried to keep them out of the road and, 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 but there was just things inside of them. That, that we know we didn't put there. And so this, this puts a whole new spin on incarnation. We talk about that usually just during Christmas. where we talk about the, the son of God that came down and his, his father was God and he was born of a virgin. But if we look at children that way, that every, every child is valuable. Why? Not only because of what they offer the world. Not only because they're a human being, but they're created in the image of a creative God and you cannot say that about any other type of life and you can't say that about any other type of of anything that exists besides the human being that they're created in the image they have divinity encoded on their DNA that it's like the oak is in the acorn and everything they need they're born with and as they grow and develop it's amazing what comes out of children and what is inside of them, it, they're, just because they're created in his image. A couple of years ago, the end of, about the end of 2020, um, we, we purchased a, an old, old house out in the middle of nowhere that was b- pretty much dilapidated. It was falling apart. Um, it was like, it's just a little cottage it was actually an old house that was on Palafox Street. It was built in the 50s. And, and this, um, uh, the lady that owned it at the time, she had it moved on a trailer out into the middle of the sticks, almost to Alabama, and, and placed on blocks. And, and, um, and so this house, back then when they built houses, they were, they, were, they were beautiful, right? Like it was all heart pine. And so the ceilings are, looked like this, these ceilings, tongue and groove. And, and so we started tearing the house down to the bones to remodel, to you know, get some of the old stuff out of it, and as we were going, we we noticed that there were these incredibly beautiful heart pine wood floors, and they were covered with like laminate. <laughs> Okay, and and then not only that when when I, when I pulled the laminate off, I had to, I rented a sander, a big old circle like floor sander, and as I sanded these floors down, not only had they been covered with laminate, they were covered with paint, like multiple colors of paint, and, and then all kinds of other stuff. As, as I was sanding it down to get to the the, the original intent of the designer of the home. You know, I I think our lives and your life is exactly the same. So we come into this world pure and blameless and, and, and just exactly the way that God has designed us to be. And what happens is as soon as you're born, people start putting labels on you immediately. Right? You get a last name, so there's a label. You get a first name. They start running all these tests on you to make sure that you're not this or this or that or that. And so if you are, you get labeled. And as you get into elementary school, then you start getting labeled even more. If you can't pay attention, they'll say you're ADHD. Or, 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 and then you start getting categorized if you're smart or and, you know, average, or you get compared to everyone else. And so the, the moment that you make your debut into this world, you start getting all these labels thrown on you. And I think what happens the longer that we live, we start finding our identity in the labels. We get lost in the labels. So you meet a stranger at the airport. You say, hey, I'm you know, so-and-so. What do you do? Oh, my identity is i'm a i'm a pastor i never told people that number one ever like, like i i will not do it just because i want most people have a negative connection to a church or a pastor so i'm like i'm in hr i'm in human human resources that's what i that's what i do and, and but but think about it you're at the airport you're on a plane next to somebody they start asking you what you do you start giving them labels telling them where you're from telling them what you do then you start giving them other labels about where you went to school. And we connect our identity to all of these labels that are outside of us. But the real you has nothing to do with those labels. Who you are at your core, your soul. What came from God was not labeled at all. And what I love about the Bible is it, it really takes it to another level. And not only does it say that we were created in the image of God, that your soul came from God, but that your soul, who you are in your core, existed before your body did. That before you were conscious, before you had a brain, you had a soul. Think about that for a second. Before you had a body and you got wrapped in flesh and you were knit together in your mother's womb and then, and then all these labels start hitting you as you grow up, before all of that happens... You existed with God. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. And so there was a you that existed before the you that exists. And that is where the Spirit of God does His work. That is where we wanna get to over the next couple of weeks is that soul level experience where, you know, the labels are great and they work for a while, but when God speaks to us, oftentimes He speaks directly into our heart and soul. And He will speak things into our life that don't make sense because the labels don't line up. God called me to preach, but I flunked out of public speaking, y'all, at a community college, okay? not Harvard, not, you know, not, not a community college. And, and so when I felt God calling me to do this, it didn't line up with the labels and what I was experiencing, but I kept listening. I kept walking and, and that, that deep soul level, what I felt God was saying to me. And I didn't listen to the labels. I didn't listen to the pastors that told me, Hey, if you can do anything else, you should do that. My first, the first time I spoke, it was terrible. It was so bad. My first sermon was like 12 minutes and 38 seconds. Anyways. But sometimes God will call you to do things and he will speak things into your life that don't make a bit of sense. And oftentimes it's because of the labels and the layering that's on your life that people have been throwing around your neck since the day that you were born. But the Spirit of God sees right through that. The story of David when he was anointed king, you you probably know that story if you don't. Samuel was was coming to anoint the next king of Israel, and and, and he brought out all of his sons besides David. Because on the outside, David had zero potential. He was the youngest. He was out in the field. And so Samuel, you know, was looking at all these these the, the sons, and he said, "I don't, I don't think he's here. Is there someone else?" And so Samuel went and got his son David, and and Samuel spoke this word to his father that I think we all need to hear: that God doesn't look at the outward appearance; God looks at the inner workings of your soul, and that's what He sees. And so we gotta sort through the labels. The labels come after we're born. Where does God want us to do? What is he, how, how do we experience the kingdom of God in our life? Jesus said it like this If you want to see the kingdom, this is what you got to do. You got to become like a little bitty child. What does he mean by that? He doesn't mean that you got to suck your thumb and burp and fart or, you know, at the same time, okay, like, like my son. No, no, that's not. He doesn't say you got to become childish, he says you need to become childlike. And, and a child is, is just in their essence innocent and they're walking in the identity that God gave them. The labels haven't come yet. And so the original you is the best version of you. The original you the you that God created in your mother's womb, the, 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 the innocent you, the child version of you. And it's crazy how we live, that, that we, we kind of start living backwards to get to that point, to get to that place of innocence and that place of faith and to sort through all the labels. And so the soul is not a what, it's not an it, it's not a thing. The soul is a Who? When we talk about our soul, we're talking about who we are as, as you're the deepest level of who you are, outside of what happened to you, outside of what you do as a career, outside of how much stuff that you've accumulated or how much stuff that you don't have. Oftentimes, we put value on people based on that, but God says, no, no, at the heart, your value is an unseen part of you, it's your soul. So how do we live from that place? It's hard. I don't know. (laughs) I think the Bible talks a lot about the soul. It talks about things that are good for the soul. It it talks about things that are toxic for the soul. It talks about spaces and places that restore the soul. Different things that we can do that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. But the biggest thing that I I hope that you see and feel right now in this moment is, is that beyond this shell of a body that you have on the inside of you is something very precious. It's your soul. It's the real you. It's who God created you to be. And, and within that soul, it's, it's according to uh, D- Dallas Willard and thinkers that were, are way smarter than me, it's what's running your body right now. Like medical research can't even define where does consciousness come from. They're, that still boggles like the smartest doctors in the world. Where does consciousness come from? Is it your brain? Is it your heart? Like, you know, is it, where does consciousness come from? The thinkers, the great thinkers of old and even the theologians and the saints of old believe that your consciousness is seated in your soul and it's your soul that's running your life. And so what's good for your soul is good for your body. What's good for your soul is good for the relationships in your life. What's good for your soul is good for every single part of who you are. Dallas Willard said it like this. What's running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not external circumstances. Not your thoughts or your intentions or your feelings. But your soul. The the soul is the aspect of your whole being that connects all of them together. It integrates it. It enlivens everything going on in the dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of who you are. and that's a lot. And so how do we feed our soul? How do we, how do we refresh our soul? How do we know when our, our soul is tired? Well, maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're here because you kind of got at the end of your rope and you said, I got to get away. I need a vacation. Maybe that was your soul saying, I, I, I need some rest. I need some peace. But There's this little verse tucked away in 3 John. And I want to share it with you and then we're going to pray. And it's a little bitty book kind of at the end of the Bible. And I, I've never really heard it preached out of 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And I love that verse. Some versions say that, that it would, I want you to prosper. I want your outside world to prosper as your inside world prospers. And I think what I, I have a PhD in, in this, trying to fix the outside world, thinking that it's going to make my inside world better. That if this circumstance will go away, if that diagnosis wasn't there, if, if I didn't have all this on top of me and the weight of the world, if, if, if maybe I could just move this career or get out of this or do that, 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 thinking that if we fix the outside world, that it's going to bring inside peace. But this verse kind of flips it around. It says the outside world can be in turmoil. And the outside world can be a storm that's raging. But if your inside world is healthy and prospering, nothing on the outside can affect your peace. The peace of, of knowing that you came from somewhere and you're going back to that place the peace of knowing that you're journeying through this world, you're a sojourner, like you're traveling through. So, so travel light. Because <laughs> you came from another world and you're going back to that world. And so hold on to things in this life very loosely. Because a lot of the stuff that keeps us up at night, we can't take it with us. And so your soul, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for myself. It's for your soul to prosper in a way that the outside circumstances don't even matter anymore. That I got this peace. I got this joy. Jesus, he talked about this, 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 this river, this stream that will flow from the inside of us. That brings refreshing. And it brings encouragement. It brings what we need. And, and, and God wants that for your life. God wants your inside you to be healthy and whole and to prosper. And that may come through many different avenues or many different forms. But this is a thought I, I want to leave you with. is I, I think in some aspects, Christians were called to be amphibians. Do <laughs> you know what an amphibian is? It's, it's, it's this animal, frogs and different types of animals. and They can live in two different worlds. They can, they can live under the water. And they get what they need under the water and they can live on the land and they get what they need from the land. And so they're created in this, in this, in this way to where what they need to thrive is coming from two different worlds. And I think that's the way God created you and I that beauty and truth and goodness in this world the way god created it can bring refreshing and encouragement it can restore your soul but there's a deeper part of you that needs something from god that it can only get from him it's an unseen world It's a world that I can't describe. It's a kingdom that's here, but it's coming. Jesus talked about it all the time. There's another world beyond this world. And and, and when we pray and when we worship, we're reaching into that world and grabbing what we need. And a lot of times we can try to strive and get what we need here and think, well, if I can just get this fixed or get this relationship right, or maybe go get, you know, we, we just try to find the solution out there, and sometimes it will come, but sometimes it won't. And maybe the distress and the uneasiness and the is because God is trying to point your direction to another world, that your soul needs something. It's not your body, it's not your mind, but your soul, the inside you, Is longing for another world and so to me that makes a lot of sense it makes me realize that every home on this side of eternity is temporary every relationship that we're heading back to this place this union with god that healing is ultimately union with god and that every believer is promised ultimate healing union with him back where we began and our soul-level connection with the Creator God. And so as we close, I just want you to do this. Just close, close your eyes. And we're, gonna, we're gonna go to God. And I want you to ask this question, however, you want to ask God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, what is what does my soul need? What does my soul need? Maybe it's rest. Maybe it's this moment right here, just to spend time in his presence. What does my soul need? Over and over and over, we hear David write this in the Psalms, my soul cries out. My soul is vexed within me. He, he would speak to his soul in the third person, Lord, what does my soul need? Listen for the Holy Spirit to speak because I believe he will. It may be reconciliation. There may be a relationship that needs to be reconciled. It it may be a place. God may speak to you and say, I want you to go back to that place where you heard my voice the first time. but I want you to learn to shepherd your soul, to listen to it. Don't ignore it, don't rush past it. We have coaches and doctors and all kinds of things to take care of our body, but what about your soul? So Father, we thank you so much for the promise in your word that you said that you would restore our souls. You would bring healing and health and wholeness to our inner world. And so, Lord, that's my prayer today for every person in this church watching if you're outside. Lord, bring wholeness and health to our inside worlds. What does our soul need, Lord? We're listening. We want to take it serious, God. We know that our soul can only be refreshed by you. And so, God, we we thank you for creating us with a soul, but we also thank you for giving us what we need, for knowing even when we don't know, even when we struggle and we fight, thinking that we can find fulfillment in something else, you know exactly what every person in this room and their soul needs. And so God, we come to you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.